Would you like to exchange best practices and ideas to improve care, enhance operational efficiency, and address financial challenges with your peers? Becker's Healthcare is facilitating these conversations at their 8th Annual Health IT, Digital Health, and RCM meeting. You can check your eligibility for complimentary attendance at the link in the description. We are excited to welcome you in October. This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Ranjan Sachdev, who's the owner of Sachdev Orthopedics and Executive Director of Strategy and Orthopedic Services at Modernizing Medicine. Dr. Sachdev, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. I'm glad to be there. Now, I'm excited for our discussion. I know there's so much happening in healthcare and orthopedics in particular is such a fascinating field. But before we dive into my questions, can you tell me just a little bit more about yourself and your background? Yes, I'm actually a practicing orthopedic surgeon. I graduated from Mayo. I mean, I did my orthopedic residency at the Mayo Clinic and then moved to Pennsylvania where I joined a group. And after going through the transition with the group, I went and worked in an underserved area in Tennessee and then Kansas and Kentucky, and finally came back and was employed by the hospital for about a year. And then I decided to go back on my own into a solo practice. So I've kind of gone through the whole circle, large group in which we had all facilities, MRI, PT, bone density, all those facilities. And I'm sorry, I should say not say MRI. We had PT, X-ray, podiatry, bone density, and we were part owners in an ASC. And from there, I went into working for a rural hospital in an underserved area in three different states, and then come, came back and worked for a steward-owned hospital called Eastern Hospital, and then finally went back into solo practice at Satchdave Orthopedics. And I also work for Modernizing Medicine as executive director of their strategy and services, which is essentially a, a multi-speciality EHR, platform that has you know everything from patient engagement to practice service to RCM as well as electronic health record and modern med pay which is you know payment collections absolutely well that's fascinating you know career path that you've had really taking you in all different aspects of healthcare and especially as a orthopedic surgeon so you know, when you look at where we're at today, where do you see some big opportunities in healthcare and orthopedics, as well as the challenges and headwinds that you have your eye on right now? Well, the interesting thing, the same thing that's a challenge is an opportunity. It's the, the advance in AI and data analytics. There's so much of data, which when harvested correctly can be very useful. And we are also finding that, you know, like any other challenges, we are finding that the cost of care is going up. And this kind of rise in delivery of care is unsustainable. So newer models of reimbursement are being sought out both by the government and private payers, which focus more on value rather than paying for services, which means that they want to see better outcomes with lesser lesser cost, but at the same time, allowing more freedom and the providers taking on a significant portion of the risk, as well as getting a significant portion of the reward. So you essentially take on a risk-based endeavor. And if you manage it well, you have 
uh, profit to take home. And if there are, if it is not poorly if it is poorly managed, you end up with significant losses that you have to personally pay. So that has not fully taken place, but gradually the pendulum is swinging towards value-based care. We also find that the advent of artificial intelligence, as well as chat GPT, is basically a game changer. There we see so much potential as well as so much harm with disinformation. So those are the challenges and opportunities. Absolutely. I, I think that's such a great point. And especially looking at, you know, it's been a slow call, slow crawl um, to the value-based care space, but certainly, um, you know, seeing as how healthcare has changed in the last few years in particular with more data, more information, and then artificial intelligence, just allowing us to put that information into perspective a lot more quickly. Um, it seems like it's certainly, you know, ideally in a space where we can leverage that a little bit more. Um, so, you know, I'd love to get your perspective on what that looks like as you're looking ahead into the future. Where, how can you use these tools and technologies to grow and develop and add value to your overall practice or the organization that you're working in? Well, the, the essential elements of value-based care are to be able to treat the patient, uh, uh, treat a condition rather than treat an episode. There is some, uh, some payers who are looking at episode-based care, but everybody's ultimately going to shift to value-based care for chronic conditions. Example, osteoarthritis. Whether it is managed with physical therapy, whether it's managed by injections, or whether it's managed by services, it'll all be a one lump sum amount that you'll be paid. And the physicians working as a team with physical therapists, working as a team with other medical doctors and rheumatologists will have to come together to some kind of an algorithm which allows that proper use of resources. For example, there have been studies that have shown that you don't need to get an X-ray on the first time somebody, young person has an acute low back pain, like a sprain. The going doing radiological studies at that stage immediately is probably not warranted. And there are many such examples. So what it comes down to is being able to manage the resource, the amount of funds that are allocated judiciously and to get the best outcomes. And for that, you need data, you need help of AI, and also algorithms that patient that that the uh, physicians adhere to. And it'll have to be something that is decided more on a consensus basis saying, we feel this is the best possible care we can give in our particular situation. So, And then every member of the group will try and match it as close as they can. And obviously, you know, patients are individuals and sometimes you have to make exceptions, but at least the general guidelines for everybody to be followed will be based on best outcomes with, without wasting resources. That's where the future is going to go. And companies that do that well will succeed. That's such a great point. And I really appreciate you pointing out, you know, the spaces and areas where um, there's opportunity in this changing healthcare 
uh, economy and how value-based care can really um, make the difference, not only for patients um, in, in the outcomes that they have, but then too for the healthcare system. I, I know that resources are really valuable in healthcare and especially right now in thinking through some of the tighter budgets for many organizations, as well as uh, staff shortages in other um, spaces that are, are really make healthcare resources precious. So when you think through what is really still an important place to invest in or a risk that's worth taking this year to set yourself up for success in the future, what would that be? Where do you still think is important to invest? Well, the basic issue from the physician standpoint is reducing physician burden because what's happening is that, as you pointed out very correctly, staff shortages are taking a toll because some of the stuff that could be handed to the staff, if there is no staff, the physicians end up doing themselves or seeing lesser amount of patients. What comes down to, if you look at the physician's day, there are a few things. We get bombarded with all kinds of messages. I mean, you get text messages, email. There is, you know, would be AI products are going to be available soon and some are already there, almost there, where they'll be able to sort out the messages according to priority. Not every message has to be done, answered immediately, where you have to drop everything you're doing. In other words, there are some things that can be answered at the end of the day or at your lunchtime. You don't have to stop between patients to answer those messages, but some of them are critical. If there are critical messages, you obviously have to take time to answer them immediately. And having at the moment, what you have to do is you have to go through all of your messages to find out which is important and which is not, and or which is critical. So where AI can help is to sort that out. So you have a bucket that says must attend to as ASAP, and you have two or three messages that you have to attend, must attend the same day or can be attended in next 48 hours, whatever. That would be tremendously taking the burden off of this you know, message fatigue. The second thing also is where a lot of products are focusing on what is called ambient learning, where conversation between the patient and the physician is interpreted by AI, is taken, is recorded in natural language processing, and then using natural language processing, the AI can determine what the patient said is relevant or not. For example, if you walk in and say, hey, how are you? How's family? The AI will ignore that. But then the next question comes up is, what are we seeing you for? And the patient says, doc, my right knee hurts. These are both relevant sentences which the AI will pick up. Obviously, you need a lot of data and training, but it's it's getting there. There are actually some products that are doing that. And what, what I see is companies like Modernizing Medicine, they're going to be focusing on this area. And I know we are. So that will be something that will be coming out sooner or later is ambient learning, which will then be able to record the information, relevant information, and transcribe it but not only that, but also initiate actions. For example, while I'm talking to the patient, would it not be nice if I can say, Mr. Smith, I've examined you. It looks like you have osteoarthritis of the knee. What I would like to do is to have you start therapy, maybe take some Celebrex. And then if you're not better, we will then uh, look at trying injections or getting an MRI depending upon what the clinical presentation looks that time. But for now, I want you to start therapy and take Celebrex. 
this could be interpreted by a computer beautifully by saying, okay, physical therapy and generates a script. Celebrex generates a prescription after making sure there are no contraindications and checking the formulary, it generates a script. So by the time the physician gets to the computer, everything is already there. He just has to bless it and make corrections if any, and it's all done. Now this saves staff time too, because sometimes the staff will help you by, you know, writing out the scripts which you review and send out. But this, the computer, the AI will do that instead of the staff. So there I see a big role for AI in ambient learning. And then finally, what has become very popular is chatbot, where a patient asks a question and the chatbot, based on what the patient, what the information is available, will try and do a response that the physician looks at and blesses. So instead of the physician having to draft the whole email to the patient, it gets auto-drafted by AI. The physician blesses it, adds a line or two, and sends it. So there are three areas there where I think it can take the physician load off messaging, then you know re responding to patient questions, and then ambient learning to help with documentation and implementation of impression and plan. That makes a lot of sense and it seems like it would really save a lot of time and effort um, from the clinical side. I, I just can't imagine that it would be such a time saver um, and really fascinating and impressive technology to be able to pick that up from the ambient learning uh, side of things. So that, that's awesome to hear and great to know that the technology is evolving. Now, before we wrap up our conversation, I wanted to ask you as an orthopedic surgeon and entrepreneur as well, where do you see the best opportunities for growth and development in the future? How do you think through um, what it will take to uh, you know, continue to grow your practice um, and grow the way you're making an influence on the healthcare system today? Well, it'll basically be, again, better patient engagement. So, you know, instead of having the patient, you know, go to your portal, send a message or whatever, there would be direct two-way messaging to some extent managed by a chatbot or G chat GPT. Like, what's your office hours? What's your office address? Do you take my insurance? What Do you see knee pain? These are questions that are very structured. And the answer is, you know, clear cut. I mean, if you see knee pain, it's either yes or no. What's your office address is very clear cut. Those things can all be circumvented and handled by chat GPT and immediate answers to the patients when they want it, instead of having to wait for somebody to respond back or play phone tag. The other, I think, area would be is allowing great patient engagement is, you know, having discussion of all the various treatment options. And that's where GPT can actually, you know, do a nice summary of your discussion with appropriate references. And then you can give it to the patient and say, now, we talked about injections. Here is what they say, the latest information on injections. So if you give that kind of a patient and make them a partner in their care, not only will do better as a patient, but they'll also be more engaged and you're more likely to take, have a good rating of your practice, which essentially needs to growth. So that's one area. And then secondly, as I talked about, in, in make increasing your time off so that you don't feel the burden at, at the end of the day trying to answer messages or doing your documentation. Where I do feel because of staff shortages and the amount of work overload that the physicians are seeing, I do feel that automation is going to be tremendously helpful 
and especially if you can you know do documentation of the encounter that's going to be tremendous and or answering messages somebody helping you to answer the messages so that they can be done quickly instead of having to sit down and type an email every time Got it. That makes a lot of sense. You know, and it is really just fascinating to uh, see and think through how um, it really makes a difference for clinicians to have this type of technology and automation to boost what they're doing and make it easier and more effective as they're working with patients. Dr. Dave, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been really a fun and fascinating conversation and, you know, excited to have you as well speaking at our Health IT Digital Health and Revenue Cycle event this October. I think that'll be great to have you as part of the conversations to really further some of the things we've talked about in terms of technology, artificial intelligence, and other ways that, you know, we're really able to leverage the digital technologies in the clinical space. Well, thank you so much. I look forward to that. It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks. To help our audience better do this in a more simplified, personalized, and meaningful way, Becker's Healthcare has launched MyBHC. It's your trusted Becker's Healthcare experience and more with content, connections, events, and learning opportunities. Join the community free of charge at www.my.beckershospitalreview.com and we'll see you there.